Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. This genius decision that Rebecca made was a terrible decision. And by this terrible decision, Rebecca, why was it a terrible decision? Because she resorted to lying and cheating and deceit. And those aren't God's ways. And, and, ter- and it was a terrible decision because in the end, all this tragic loss that happened to Rebecca. Rebecca tragically lost the trust of Isaac when he realized you took advantage of my blindness? You took advantage of my disability to deceive me? She lost trust. Rebecca tragically lost her favorite son, Jacob, because of what she did. She wouldn't see Jacob probably for the rest of her life. And she tragically lost any relationship she'd ever hoped to have with Esau. As Esau, you resorted to deception to cheat me from getting the blessing? It was all over between, if there was ever anything between Rebekah and Esau. And Rebekah tragically lost Jacob's safety. She caused Esau to vow, I'm going to kill Jacob. And Rebekah tragically lost for Esau any chance of him ever repenting and coming to God as she caused Esau to say, well, if deception and cheating and lying are what followers of God do, who needs sinners? And she tragically lost her own fellowship with God because she sinned against God with this lying, cheating, and deception. Now, when we look at Rebecca here, we can say what Pastor Jim used to say to me when I told him about some terrible decision that I made, and I always wondered, what is he going to say? And Jim always had the same words. He says, what in the world? He used to say it that way, you know. So we look at Rebecca, and we say, Rebecca, what in the world? What did you do, Rebecca? What did Rebecca do wrong? And what should have Rebecca done? I mean, she knew that this was a valid problem, that Isaac was about to not do the will of God. And wasn't she right to have stepped in there and prevented Isaac from not doing the will of God? Yes, she was. But how she went about it was wrong. See, Rebecca's first problem is that she did not see that there were two wisdoms available to her. And we go wrong when we do not see that there are two wisdoms available to us. See, Rebecca's decision came from her wisdom, which we said was genius. And she saw, she eventually did see, uh, you know, what a tragedy it was and all the loss that she has because she chose her wisdom. See, Rebecca chose her own wisdom because she was not willing to acknowledge that her wisdom was not adequate to direct her steps wisely in this problem. See, Rebecca was not willing in humility to admit that with all her genius that she did not have in her the right way. And Rebecca was not willing to admit what Jeremiah said and admitted In Jeremiah 10.23, when he said, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Not everybody knows that, what Jeremiah said. Not everybody knows that it's not in man to direct himself. It's not in man to walk and direct his step. See, unlike Jeremiah, Rebecca was not willing to humbly say, 
The way for me to stop Isaac from blessing Esau and to get Isaac to bless Jacob with his soul, it's not in me. She wasn't willing to say that. See, unlike Jeremiah, Rebecca was not willing to humbly say, it's not in me to direct my steps in this problem. Just the opposite. Rebecca proudly said, I know exactly what to do. And if you get in my way, just listen to the roar of the Mack truck. It'll run you over. You know? And for us, to not make a terrible decision like she did in life, we have to do what, what, what Rebecca did not do, which is to realize that our best decision is not in us. And she wasn't willing to see these two wisdoms that have two different sources. And that's how the two wisdoms are described by their sources in James 3.15. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. The two wisdoms are described by their sources as from above or devilish or from below. See, when we look at Rebecca, we can describe the three directions. What's in front of Rebecca, what's above Rebecca, and what's below Rebecca. What was in front of Rebecca was Isaac planning to bless Esau with his soul. That was a problem. What was above Rebecca was God's wisdom. His wisdom on what to do about this problem that was in front of her. And what was below Rebecca was the devil's wisdom on what to do about the problem in front of her. And we saw all the destruction that came as a result of her following the devil's wisdom. And the, and the thief cometh not but for to destroy, John 10.10. 10. Because Rebekah did not seek the wisdom from above to solve the problem in front of her, she fell prey to the wisdom from below her. And there was no middle ground for Rebekah. She would either seek the wisdom from above to solve this problem in front of her, or she would fall prey to the wisdom from below her. There's nothing in between. What we see with Rebekah here teaches us if we don't seek the wisdom from above to solve the problem in front of us, we will fall prey, like her, to the wisdom from below us. There's no middle ground for us. We will either seek the wisdom above us to solve the problem in front of us, or we'll fall prey to the wisdom below us. There's no middle ground. And the Bible makes very clear to us that God's wisdom does not come automatically to us. There's something we must do. And we must do for God's wisdom what it says we're to do in James 1.5, and where it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. See, Rebecca would have had to ask God for his wisdom in order to have the wisdom to know what she should have done. And asking God for wisdom was not foreign to Mrs. Rebecca. Let's remember that she has done it in the past. And these words in Genesis 25, 21 through 23, where it says, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated for of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. She went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. Two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. See, Rebecca had seen a problem that neither she nor Isaac knew how to resolve. Her infertility. 
She didn't have the first response ovulation test, and that would have solved it. No, I just <laughs> she and Isaac both saw this problem, her infertility. They had no idea how to solve it. What do we do? We have a problem here of no babies. How are we going to solve this problem? So she watches Isaac. She watches her husband Isaac, and he goes to God in prayer, and he asks God for the solution to the problem of infertility. And then God answered Isaac's prayer, and she conceives. Oh, she says, I see. Prayer. Answer to prayer. Solution to the problem. Oh, there's another problem came up. Second problem. Great struggle in her womb during the pregnancy. Now, at that point, Rebecca said, well, you know, Isaac seems to have an in with God. I'll just go to Isaac. Say, Isaac, go to God for me, please. Worked really good in the last time. We had a problem, you know, Isaac, when you prayed. That was it. Why don't you go to God again? about this problem of the great struggle. That's not Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca says, oh no, if it worked for Isaac, it'll work for me. And I'll go to God and uh, myself. Which she did, for an answer. That's why the words of Genesis 25, 22 are so important when it says, and she went to inquire of the Lord. She knew how to go to God. She knew how to ask God for wisdom. She'd done it in the past. She just wasn't willing to go to God. This time, for this problem, she wasn't willing to, if any man lack wisdom, James 1.5, let him ask of God. And in order for Rebecca to have gone to God in prayer, she would have to believe by faith that God giveth to all men liberally, James 1.5. And in order for us to go to God in prayer, we have to believe by faith that God giveth to all men liberally. And we see that God does give to all men liberally when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ and what he said to a sexually defiled Gentile woman at a well when the Lord Jesus said to her in John 4.10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest, or knewest, the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have, wouldest have asked, of him, and he would have given the living water. He said three things to her. He said, if you knew, if you knew the gift, you would ask. You would ask for the gift, and he would have given you the gift. See, that's the message. God wants to do it. He wants to, all you got to do is ask. That's our message to the lost today. If you knew God's gift of salvation, you would ask for God's gift of salvation, and God would give you God's gift of salvation. Why? Because God give it to all men liberally. So, as a first step, Rebecca had to realize that God's wisdom is a gift that comes from him. That's God's wisdom is a gift. It comes from him. That's what God was emphasizing to Moses during the building of the tabernacle when he kept saying this about the builders in Exodus 31.3. He said, I have filled them with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship. And in Exodus 31, 6, he says, And I, behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom. They may make all I've commanded. See, and then in, in Exodus 36, 1 and 2, it says about them when they were working, then Bezalel and Aholiab, and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord had put wisdom and understanding. The Lord had put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of the work of the sanctuary according to all the Lord commanded. Moses called Bethlehem and Ahoyab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom. So Rebecca's first step 
would be to know that the wisdom for handling this situation for Isaac was not found in her, which is what Job said in Job 28, 12 through 14, when he said, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth saith, it's not in me. The sea saith, it's not with me. See? Job asked the question, where shall wisdom be found? Where are we going to find wisdom? Where is the place of understanding? Where are we going to find understanding? So Job goes and looks at the ocean for wisdom, and the ocean replies back, don't look at me. I don't have the wisdom you're looking for. So how do we get wisdom? Solomon said in Proverbs 2, 3 through 6, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, liftest up thy voice for understanding. If thou seekest her silver, searchest for her as for hid treasures, then thou shalt find the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. The only way for Rebekah to have gotten the knowledge and understanding of what God would have her to have done in that situation is if she cried to God for that knowledge and lifted up her voice for the understanding of what to do. Only if she realized, Proverbs 2, 6, the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. And so what's tragically missing in Genesis 27 about Rebekah is this verse we found in, in Genesis 25, 22. She went to inquire of the Lord. We don't see that anywhere in this chapter 27. That's the tragedy. That's the tragedy that nowhere do we see a statement like that of Rebecca going to God in prayer. That's the reason all this tragedy happened in Genesis 27, because there's nowhere that in this chapter where Rebecca went to God in prayer like she did in chapter 25. For Rebecca to have gotten wisdom, she needed to pray. And for Rebecca to pray, she needed to understand God's purpose in prayer. See, God's purpose for Rebecca to pray was to bring Rebecca in harmony with the will of God, with the goal and with the ways of God. And God's purpose for Rebecca to pray was to make Rebecca do what Jehovah Jesus would do. And Jehovah Jesus would not do deceit. Because it says that about him in Isaiah 53, 9. It says, he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. In order for Rebekah to have effectively prayed, there had to be three essentials. In order for Rebekah to effectively pray, she needed first to come in contact with God. That's the first essential of prayer. Come in contact with God. Second, essential. She needed to abide with God. And the third essential is she needed to work with God. See, those are the three essentials for any of us to effectively pray. See, in order for Rebecca or anyone to effectively pray, she needed to come in contact with God. A person must come in contact with God. Contact with God requires three things. There are three requirements for contact with God. The first requirement to have contact with God is there must be a revelation of God. God wants to have contact with man through prayer so that he can reveal himself. See, Rebecca had already seen God reveal himself in the testimony of Eliezer who came to get her. 
when she learned of the mightiness of God to lead him and her together at the well and all that God caused to happen with the, with the water, uh, camels, and so forth. And she knew that she was God's chosen for Isaac's wife. And she saw the mightiness of God. Rebekah had seen God reveal himself when he answered Isaac's prayer for her infertility and when he spoke directly to her about the two nations in her womb. All this showed to Rebekah that God was wanting to reveal himself of who he was so that he could have contact or she could have contact with him. And prayer is made possible by only one ultimate revelation of God, as it says about the Lord Jesus Christ in John 1.18, where it says, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Or as the Greek says it, he hath told him out. See, no man has seen God at any time. No man can come in direct contact with God. Only the Lord Jesus Christ has declared or told out who God is. Therefore, today, there's only one way for man to have God revealed to him, and that's by the Lord Jesus Christ, by God the Lord Jesus Christ. As he said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. And John 14, 9, he that hath seen me has seen the Father. In order to have contact with God, there must be a revelation of God, and only the Lord Jesus Christ reveals God, which means no one can come in contact with God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he meant when he said in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. But revelation of God is not enough for there to be contact with God. They need the second essential, And the second essential to have contact with God is there's got to be a relationship with God. There must be an established relationship between man and God. And this established relationship is the relationship of a father and a son. There must be a father-son relationship. The establishment of this father-son relationship, that's through a birth. Not a physical birth, a spiritual birth. Because through a spiritual birth, this father-son relationship is established, as it says in John 1, 12-13. As many as received him, to them gave you the power or the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Step one, believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are three parts to his name. The Lord, he is God. Jesus, which means, it's a contraction of two words, God saves. It must be believed that he is God-saving man. Christ, which means anointed or sent from God. It must be believed that he was sent by God. God sent God to save man. So to believe on his name is to believe that, that God sent God to save man from their sins. That's step one. Step two, believing is not enough. Step two is receiving, receiving him personally, which means to open the heart and to receive him as God sent by God to save man from his sins. In other words, to receive him as personal Lord and Savior. And step three is not what we do. It's what God does. It's becoming a child of God. We do steps one and two of believing and receiving. God does step three of making us to become a child of God, which links us to God as our Father. And that fulfills the second requirement of the establishment of the Father-Son relationship. 
That's when we can say with Paul in Romans 8.15, we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. This relationship was the pattern in Abraham's family, and we have no reason to believe that Rebekah had not put her trust for forgiveness of sins and had joined with Adam and Eve and, and with Abel and all the other believers in putting their trust in Jehovah Jesus by making blood sacrifices. Now, Revelation was the first essential for contact with God. Revelation alone is not enough to have contact with God in prayer. Relationship through the new birth was the second essential for contact with God, but both revelation of God and relationship with God, they're both alone not enough to have contact with God through prayer. In other words, those first and second essentials put a person in the position of the possibility of having contact with God in prayer. The third and the last essential for having contact with God is necessary, and that is dependence on God. See, dependence on God is trusting God and not trusting self. Dependence on God is relying on God and not relying on self. My father was an English major before he became a doctor. He was an English major. And so he loved literature and he could quote all these things. You know, I can never quote anything, but he quoted all these things to me all the time, hoping it would sink in by osmosis. And he always told me, all you need is to to rely on yourself. And he used to quote to me from the most famous line in Shakespeare's play, Hamlet, where Polonius says, neither a borrower nor a lender be to thine own self be true. And my father always used to like to quote from Ralph Walder Emerson, probably because I went to Emerson Junior High School, I don't know. But anyway, and he quoted from the essay, Self-Reliance, where Emerson said, discontent is the want of self-reliance. It's the infirmity of the will. And Emerson said, so the reliance on property, including the reliance on governments which protect it, is the want of self-reliance. The third essential to have contact with God is to repudiate and not follow Shakespeare and Emerson because God tells us, don't rely on yourself in Romans 7, 23 through 24, where Paul says, I see another law in myself, in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me? Who should deliver me from this body, from the body of this death? And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Instead of trusting itself, instead of relying on self, instead of being to thine own self be true, be true to God. And trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine understanding. All thy ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. And Paul put it, he says, you know, self, is that so great? He says, I'll tell you what self is for me in Galatians 2.20. My self is crucified with Christ. And nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, by the, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Today we can say, and rose for me. So the first purpose that God intended for Rebecca in prayer was that, that she should have contact with God. And the three essentials for contact with God, as we've said, is the revelation of who God is, the becoming a child of God through the new birth, and dependence on God. And it was in this last essential that Rebecca was not willing to do. She didn't meet that last essential. She wasn't willing to rely on God. And when we see Rebecca, a child of God, to whom God had revealed himself, and when we see her fail to have contact with God because she would not depend on God, that's a warning light to us. Now, the first purpose of prayer is to have contact with God, for which we need, as we said, revelation, and we need to become a child of God, and we need to be dependent on God. That's the first purpose of prayer is to have contact with God. The second purpose 
of prayer is to be with God continually. It's another way of expressing to be together with God. You know, it was his name. You should call his name Jesus. No, no, that's not what it is. You should call his name Emmanuel, because, meaning God with us, our togetherness with God. Now, to be together with God, or as he puts it, to abide with God, to have communion with God, to abide with God. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, he described this purpose in John 15, 4, when he said, abide in me and I in you. In other words, he was saying, we're not just to have momentary contacts with God. We're not just to have contact with God when we're in trouble. You know, our contact with God is not like the red crisis phone. You know, we pick up in trouble and out of breath, and we say, God, it's me again. I'm in trouble again. I need your help. And then I'll be going. (laughs) See, in John 15, the Lord Jesus Christ was saying, we're not to live, don't live like that. He says, but you stay in constant contact. Keep that phone off the hook all the time. Thank you for listening to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you would like to hear more of this message or other messages by Tom Cantor, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or go to itunes.com and search for the Friendship with God podcast. All messages are cataloged by date and all available for free listening and free download. You can also call us directly for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. Join the Creation Earth History Museum for our 10th Annual Museum Day Family Festival, Saturday, September 26th. Hi, this is Jason Payne, museum curator. I want to personally invite you and your families to a free, fun-filled event including new exhibits, testimonies from leading scientific experts, meet NASA astronaut Colonel Jeffrey Williams, and many others. Activities for the entire family. So join us Saturday, September 26th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Go online to learn more at creationsd.org or call 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104.